Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. I am your host, Fred, the always off, excuse me, the NFL always off season GM. And we got a great show for you today here at the Pound the Table podcast. Uh, we're going to dive into part two of our summer scouting, uh, hit on some of the recent NFL news. And uh, that's going to be the majority of the show. Where we're going to really try to de- dive deep into some of these, these scouting reports for these guys that we've been watching. So uh, I'm really excited to kind of show you guys what I came up with, kind of give you some of my, my early season previews here, especially with some of these college guys. So without further ado, we'll, we'll jump right into the recent NFL news. So the first uh, piece of NFL news that I wanted to hit on was it's pretty much uh, the highest profile news from this past week. And it's going to be the news about Richard Sherman, uh, the free agent cornerback, formerly of the 49ers, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he was actually arrested for a, it was, I believe, a burglary and domestic violence charge uh, earlier this week. And it's pretty disturbing news as kind of as the day was unfolding, you just kept getting more and more news about how there was, uh, there was some alcohol involved and he's been having some mental health issues recently. So essentially he was, he was booked, but denied bail. So essentially he was, he was arrested. He had to sit until his court hearing, which I believe was on Thursday where he was able to post bail and get out. So it's, it's, it's a sad thing to hear, especially for a guy that's kind of been one of the faces of the NFL. A lot of people know who Richard Sherman is. He's he's one of the higher-profile defenders of the last decade here. But uh, I know his wife had released a statement saying that she was okay, none of the kids had been harmed, and in that it was just her husband going through a difficult time at the moment. So, you know, prayers out to Richard Sherman. Hopefully we can, you know, get to the bottom of this and figure out, you know, get him the help that he needs and, Hey, I just find it hard to believe that he'll be playing for a team this fall after this news, unless it's it's sorted out quite quickly here. But uh, first and foremost, we just need to make sure he gets the help that he needs. So, the next piece of uh, recent NFL news is also kind of a more of a, I won't say negative, but a disappointing connotation here. It's going to be uh, regarding Dwayne Haskins. So Dwayne Haskins uh, recently was involved with an altercation with his wife where allegedly she had beat him up or something along those lines. She had punched him or something like that. And uh, there was a domestic uh, violence charge uh, filed against her. And with uh, the, the part of the story that's confusing to me is that there was recent news that they had just been married in the last two or three days or something in the last week or two. But now it's coming out that there's these domestic violence charges that were possibly before so that uh, they may still be on good terms. Uh, I'm just not sure what's, what's going on. So th- there'll need to be more to the story here is basically the bottom line. I'm not sure what's going on with it, it, it but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that there might be some discipline involved, but What's what's troubling to me is that Dwayne Haskins has had his own fair share of off the off the field issues uh, when he was at his during his time in Washington, and the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of take a take a flyer on a guy and let, give him another chance, especially with all the upside he had being a first round pick. And it just it just seems that he he can't get out of trouble's way here. So once again, let's let's hope that him and his wife can get the help that they need to kind of get this sorted out and move on, move forward with a happy, healthy life. But. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, Dwayne Haskins back in the the negative light and the negative news here for the NFL. 
the last story that I wanted to touch on with the recent NFL news here is going to be the last one. And it's actually, it's, it's not a negative one this time. So uh, the Panthers and offensive tackle Taylor Mot- Moton or Moton, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but uh, he was franchise tagged. And basically they had the deadline by four o'clock on Thursday to come to an agreement. I believe it's four o'clock Eastern time. And he, this was the only franchise tag E that did come to an agreement. Uh, it was a four-year, $72 million extension with a $43 million guaranteed. And what what's interesting to me about this deal is, I mean, first off, congratulations to Taylor Moton. Uh, that's, that's a lot of money for a dude. But uh, the fact that he's designated essentially as like a right tackle in their offense, it and I seen someone bring this up on Twitter and I apologize. I can't think of who it was, but they think that this could lead to like market resetting for like the offensive line in general. Like historically it's always been the left tackle that gets paid, but this could lead to guys like on the right side getting paid. This could lead to guards getting paid and resetting the market, especially if you're giving a guy uh, 18 million to a guy and, Moton is a, is a, he's a good player. I I don't believe he was like top top five at his position last year, but this kind of money like makes him pay like a top five at his position at right tackle. So uh, it could be a trend that we start seeing that a lot of these offensive linemen start getting paid the money that they're due, and it's it's not that they're just getting skipped out just because you don't play on the left side when it's not necessarily always the blind side. So Taylor Moton, c- congratulations, big contract. And the last piece of uh, recent NFL news that I just wanted to touch on was going to be, it was reported that Tom Brady played last season with a torn MCL in his knee that it came out, and he's recently had surgery to fix it. So it's it's interesting to me because obviously having a torn ligament like that in your knee is pretty significant injury. So it's obviously limiting him a little bit. But at the same time, he was still extremely productive other than maybe like that Green Bay game at the end of the year. Uh, three picks is nothing to write home about, obviously. So I think just with his play style too, like being so stationary in the pocket, as long as you can keep, as long as you keep defenders off of his legs and keep him from going down, I, I don't think you're going to have many issues, especially with how much like a knee brace and the tape jobs you can get nowadays. So I, I don't think it's, it's quite as big of a deal as everybody's making it out to be, but still nonetheless for being like 40 some years old, like the dude tearing, tearing his knee up. And still going up and winning the Super Bowl, still impressive. But I just think it's it's always funny when these narratives come out and everybody just, oh yeah, he's he's the goat. Oh, he just keeps the legacy continues. Like, all right, let's tone it back a little bit here. So, all right, we're gonna throw it back over to the summer scouting, or excuse me, the summer scouting series. So make sure you stay tuned. So here we are, ready to roll with part two of the summer scouting trip here. Uh, Once again, last week we did the quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. If you didn't see it, make sure you go back there and check it out. Uh, We get into some of the top prospects at each position. Uh, For this week here, we're going to get into tight ends and then the big uglies on the offense. We're going to get into some offensive tackles and then the interior offensive linemen. So first, though, we're going to dive into the tight ends. So... Right off the bat, our number one tight end in the preseason summer scouting series here. A little bit of surprise here, and in my opinion, I don't think anybody else is as high on this guy. But it's uh, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. So Jake Ferguson, uh, last year um, with the Big Ten shortened season, went for about 30 catches, 305 yards, four tutties. 
And when I watch the film here, I'm not seeing a guy that's so much like a dominant receiving threat. Like he's not going to be like your, hey, let's split them all wide like Travis Kelsey. Let's uh, let's create mismatches this with this uber athletic freak like Vernon Davis was back in the day. In my opinion, he's more of your complete package when you when you look at the tight end. So he's got the ability to get up the seam. He's not like super like four three four four like we talked about to split the seams, but he, he can get up there. You know, he's probably gonna be closer to like four six four seven, and Honestly, I, I, I loved him as a blocker. Wisconsin used him all over the place. They put him in line. They put him right on the edge of the formation. They put him at like an H where he does a lot of like split zone stuff coming across the formation, you know, wham block on like defensive ends. He leads through the hole. He's not afraid to take on backers. and He's, he's moving dudes. He's physically moving dudes like an offensive lineman. So I, that's what I loved about his film is he's, he's going to come to the next level. He's going to bring that attitude. And he's going to be able to get in there with the dogs on the, in the trenches. But at the same time, he's able to get open on like these stick option routes. He's able to, you know, stick to the middle of the field. He's got good hands. There's a couple of times where he, like uh, Mertz is like sneaking throws through on him, and he, he's catching everything, and it's, they're sticking to his hands. So I don't think he's the kind of guy, like I said, you're gonna get super productive like route running out of, and like create this huge dynamic passing attack. But if you're looking for a complete guy, and in my opinion, he's not a first round guy. But if you're looking for a complete guy, to add to your offense to get I think of a more of a higher level Hunter Long in my opinion is what I looked at Jake Ferguson's going to be your guy out of Wisconsin so moving on to number two on our list here for the tight ends it's going to be Jalen Weidermeyer and I know a lot of people are really high on Weidermeyer a lot of people have like a first round grade on him I didn't quite see it like I'd I see a, a, a great receiving thread. He, he did it at uh, Texas A&M, so he's in the SEC. He's going up against good competition. But I don't see him as, like, this athletic freak. He's more of a route runner. He's more of a, a natural receiving tight end than Ferguson was. But he's not as much of a plus in the run game as Ferguson was either. So I, I, I have him graded similarly. I just like the complete package in Ferguson. That's why I have him higher than Weidermeyer. But Weidermeyer is still, still a great player. I still see him as like a second-round talent, in my opinion. He's going to give you more as a receiving threat, too. So I, I think more along the lines of like a Jared Cook type of guy, when I look at him, able to get up the seam and attack the middle of the field better. And when we take a look at his stats from last year in the SEC, we're looking at about 46 catches, 506 yards, 6 TDs. So he's doing pretty decent. It's not like... Wow, that's some crazy production for an SEC tight end. But it's, I mean, it's average, above average. Hopefully, he, he shows a little bit more here now that uh, Texas A&M is going to be on the national scene more often with uh, the great class they got coming back. And then my third tight end, and this one, in my in my opinion, is more of a projection, and he, he's kind of an interesting watch. So was Jaleel Billingsley? He's the tight end out of Alabama, and. This is a total project, total project, total projection type of guy here that I'm I'm sh- I'm showing here. But when you flip on the film, it was it was kind of weird because I'm like looking at the guy and I'm like, man, he's he's looking really small. And when you look at the the roster, he's listed at about 6'4", 230 pounds. And last year he he was not the primary tight end. They brought him in on a lot of H situations where they're like, I don't think he played in line at all from what I've seen. But, like, he's mostly, like, a wing, and they motion him across. They try to get him on, like, wham blocks, and they try to get him to, like, lead for Najee through the hole. 
but he's he's almost like nothing as a blocker. I thought his best usage was like almost as like a big slot player. Think of like Chase Claypool, but not as fast. And he had 18 catches, 287 yards, three TDs. So he's not getting a ton of usage. And like I said, I don't think he was the primary tight end. I don't think he was the starter. They had a senior there previously that they used more for like pass sets and like run blocking and brought him in a lot. But I really like it. like his athletic profile is crazy. I think he's gonna be a kind of an athletic freak. We're gonna see like four, four, forty times for this guy. He's gonna be super athletic, like lateral wise. He's running away from linebackers. He's a huge mismatch for safeties and corners. And the only thing I so athletically he's there. We'd like to see a little more production. What else I'd like to see is he's almost nothing in when it comes to blocking. Like he's the, he can get in front of dudes. But he's not, like, seeking the contact. He's not dishing it out. He's A lot of times, he's not even, like, squaring up and, like, framing up on guys to drive him. He's just, like, throwing shoulders around, like, just kind of flailing his shoulders. Or, like, you know, like, when, you, when you're kind of, like, trying to, like, really get into one and just, like, try to level a guy. He's just, like, throwing a shoulder at him, and he's, like, missing. He's not making good contact. So I, I'd like to see him kind of evolve as a blocker this year to kind of make him more of the, the complete package. Because, like, right now, like I said, he's, he's just, like, a big slot in my mind. Like, when you're 230 pounds, you're not big enough to be a dog in the trenches, but you're enough to be a mismatch out wide, especially if you're athletic enough, which he is. So that kind of rounds out my top three tight ends. Uh, like I said, they all got what well, something they're good at, something that, you know, adds to their game. And, uh, like I said, there, there's not really a first-round pick here, in my opinion, but... There's still some, like, decent, like, second-round, third, fourth-round talent here. So, moving on to the offensive line, the first guy on my list is going... So, first, before I get into who they are, obviously, with offensive linemen, we can't go through stats. So, what I did was I listed some of their measurables and uh, some awards that they had gotten, if they had recorded any reward... Or, excuse me, awards for their play the last couple seasons. So... That's what we did for the offensive lineman here. So leading back off into the offensive tackles, our number one guy on our list, it's going to be Evan Neal. Evan Neal, uh, he played right tackle for the, the Alabama Crimson Tide last year, the national champions, and uh, he's projected to move over to the left side this year and be a left tackle. But he's an absolute mammoth of a man. He's six foot seven, 359 pounds. He's huge. And when you turn on the film... He, he was nimble enough in his pass sets. He's able to, to get out on guys, but he's not like a supreme pass blocker, in my opinion. But when you flip on the run game, this dude is just moving bodies. And when you're 360 pounds, that's a good good attribute to have, just because you're going to be able to move pretty much anybody. So I'll be interested to see kind of what he can put on tape as a pass protector on the blind side there. But uh, in my opinion, he's, he's a top 10 kind of prospect. He's a first-round guy. Like, he's... He's going to show out as long as he doesn't just absolutely get toasted this year in the SEC. So next up uh, was Rasheed Walker, uh, the offensive tackle out of Penn State. And he's listed at, so this is the disappointing part, is he's listed at 6'6", 310 pounds. But if, if you follow along with the NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, and uh, he had an article out about some of the surprise uh fallers early in the process here something along those lines i'm kind of paraphrasing and rasheed walker made his list and basically he had heard from scouts that 
he's listed much larger than what he actually is. He's more like 6'4", 6'5", 295, which is not ideal size for your offensive tackle. So I'm kind of hoping that he's bulking up. I'm kind of hoping that maybe that reports a little bit on the false side. But we'll see, nonetheless. Uh, Rasheed Walker was honorable mention all Big Ten this last year. He's a he's a former four-star recruit. Uh, he, I flipped on the tape, and I thought, he, he was a violent player. He was, like, surprisingly violent for, like I said, he was a he was a quicker, smaller, undersized guy. I didn't think he was, like, vastly undersized, like I heard. But he was a very violent dude with his hands. And, like, he was just getting into guys' chest and just, like, driving them. And, like, he was so quick with his pass sets. He's able to, to get wide on some of these guys that are a little faster rushers. So I, I really liked what he brought to the table. Uh the number one knock after hearing all that is like, you know, like his size, I'd like to see him bulk up a little bit to kind of hang with the dogs that kind of come with the, the bigger, excuse me, the bigger power rushers to help build that anchor up to, to kind of compete with the guys at the next level here. So the number three offensive tackle, in my opinion, as they're moving through this here, uh, another kind of surprise pick. I know he's not high on a lot of people's pick, or excuse me, not high on a lot of people's boards. Was Nick Broecker? He's going to be the offensive tackle out of Ole Miss. So, Nick Broecker, uh, he's six foot four, three hundred five pound offensive lineman. He's a former three star guy, and I think like <laughs> the school website had him listed as like fourth team, all SEC, but like. If we're digging down to fourth team, like we're just giving all participation ribbons at this point. But either way, uh, I, I really like Nick's game. Uh, once again, he's, he's another one of them guys that's a little undersized, 6'4", 300 pounds. We'd like to see him bulk up a little bit. But I thought, once again, he was, he was a very productive like pass setter. He, he was very good. He was able to get wide. He was able to use his speech to kind of leverage some of these outside speed rushers. But where I'd like to see him improve more is I didn't quite see that dog that we've seen with the other guys in the run game. I didn't see a guy that's going to fire off and like drive dudes off the ball. So I'd kind of like to see him develop his run game a little bit better. Uh, obviously, like it's not as important at the next level. You're, you're looking for that... Excuse me. Wow, I'm sorry. That elite left tackle at the next level. And I, I think he's got some of that upside trait to him. I don't think he's like a first-round guy. Uh, I think I, Rasheed Walker kind of fell in that like tail end of the first round, potential middle of the first round guy. But Broecker, I don't, I don't see him at, right at this point right now as being like this elite prospect. But he's he's got some upside if he can show that he's got a little bit of that dog inside him where he's able to, as we talked about with Rasheed Walker, like get into dudes' chest and like drive these dudes off the ball and really be dominant in the run game. I think that that'll rise him up some of the boards here because I think I think his pass sets are there but we just need to see a little bit more from them. So for our last position group here, it's going to be our interior offensive linemen. And leading off with that group here, so it's centers to guards. So any anything in between there uh, basically falls into this group here. So the first one on my list is going to be Tyler Linderbaum. He's the center for the Iowa, or excuse me, Iowa Hawkeyes. Now he's listed at 6'3", 290 pounds. He was a second-team All-American this past year, first-team All-Big Ten, uh, honorable mention All-Big Ten in 2019, and he's a former three-star guy. So he's kind of a not-highly-touted kind of guy coming into college. Uh, Three-star is high enough, but really made a name for himself this past year. Second-team All-American is nothing to, to, to sneeze at. He's, that's legit potential, legit 
uh, production out of a guy. And especially when you look at the Hawkeyes, they, they just churn out NFL talent year after year. And Linderbaum's no exception. Uh, I know PFF has him graded, if you listen to their podcast, uh, he's graded like top 10, 15 prospect, which is pretty impressive for their standards because they don't really like to grade these like interior offensive linemen positions as elite players. But I'd like to see him put on a little bit of weight. Uh, 290s is quite light. It's quite light, uh, even for like a college interior guy, especially since, I mean, 6'3 is tall enough, especially if you have like the shorter arms inside is not a big issue. But this is a guy that like we talk about having the fight in the dog. This guy's got the fight in the dog. He's getting after it. He's he's double teaming. He's chipping. He's he's making all the right calls. He's obviously running center. He's setting protections. So he he's he's got it. He's got everything. He's got first round talent for an interior offensive lineman. And really at this point, it's just hey, bulk up a little bit and let's see how high you can shoot your stock up this year. So as long as he stays healthy, I expect big things out of Linderbaum for the Iowa Hawkeyes this year. Next up on the list here is going to be Kenyon Green. He's the interior offensive lineman from Texas A&M. He's listed at 6'4", 325 pounds. Uh, he was also a second-team All-American, and he's second-team All-SEC lineman. He's a former five-star guy, so he's got a lot of potential. And we, we know that these guys in the past with the NFL, they, they love the former five-star guys. And Kenyon Green, for being into your guys, he's got some pretty solid size, 6'4". Uh, that's pretty big in 320. That's that's enough That's enough weight to throw around to, to get after dudes. But uh, for Kenyon Green, uh, there's kind of a growing trend within the offensive linemen here is that they've all got, like, this just massive push on the line. Like, this is a another dude that just, like, can get second level and just, like, throw linebackers around. And there's, I mean... Trying to think what game it was, but I think it was North Carolina, where like you just watch like the first like three minutes and you're like, okay, so this guy can run block, like he literally just like grabs D ends and D tackles, and he's like driving them like six yards off the ball, like just complete non-factors on the play, which is pretty impressive. But what the reason I got him at number two and not number one uh, over Linderbaum is. Linderbaum was much more refined in his, his pass protections. He was able to to chip and help inside and to get his hands and get his hips around on guys. And when you watch Green, there's a I seen a couple times on film just from the few games I watched that he's doing a lot of lunging in his pass sets. He's he's trying to make contact too early and he, he's getting extended over his hips. And a lot of times that makes it really easy for the interior guys, or not even interior guys, just defenders in general, to, to kind of get their hands on you and kind of whip you around and get around you. So, uh, need a little bit of work in his pass sets, but <laughs> you want to, I mean, like a team like the Tennessee Titans needs like an interior guy, which I don't believe they do, not necessarily, but like an offense like that, or even like the Falcons or somebody, a team that wants to run the ball, bring this dude in, let him just maul dudes on the line, like, dominant run defender or run blocker and then the last guy on our list here is going to be Iquem I apologize if I pronounce this wrong Ikem Iquanu he's so I kind of cheated on this one he's an offensive tackle for NC State and when I watched his film I was kind of disappointed just because like I didn't really see much for him as an offensive tackle his pass sets he was just he just not laterally quick enough to 
compete at the next level, and he, especially when he's getting beat by guys at the ACC level. But he's a second-team All-ACC offensive lineman. Uh, sit listed at 6'4", 320 pounds. So he's got he's got good enough size to play at the next level, especially as an interior guy. But the, the main reason I was disappointed is just because I didn't think he had what it took to be offensive tackle. But then uh, I was listening to the the Draft Dudes podcast, and they said that, oh, yeah, we, we he's, he's going to be interior at the next level, which made me feel better because I didn't think of that to, like, list him as an interior guy. But here we are. He's, he's on my interior lineman list just because I think – He's got what it takes to be a run blocker, especially inside at the next level. I just don't think he's got what it takes for quickness and to get off off the ball, especially laterally, just to, to keep up with some of these speed rushers. So, Ikem, excuse me, Ikem Ekwanu, NC State, comes in at number three for me. So that's going to be the list for the offensive linemen and the tight ends this week. Uh, make sure you tune in next week for part three. It's going to be the... Edge defenders, interior D-line, and linebackers. Uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball. We'll have a uh, top threes at each position again.